Hi guys, welcome to Striving Together, Conversations Worthy of the Gospel. This is your host, Jacob Young. I have the pleasure of being the lead pastor and planter at King's Cross Church here in Manchester, New Hampshire, and we are a church plant with Sovereign Grace Churches, which is why we're having these conversations. Right, the purpose of this podcast is really super simple. I have conversations with my friends in Sovereign Grace Churches because I want my friends and the people I love at King's Cross Church to get to know them. It's really simple. We're just going to talk about Jesus and talk about these guys and get to know them. And I am super excited for you guys to get to know these friends of mine in Sovereign Grace Churches because I want them to have an impact on your life the way they have had an impact on my life. So here's the format of what we're going to do. I'm just going to have an interview with these guys and then I'm going to break it into 15, 20 minute sections. I'll post those, you know, once a week, and then at the end of that time, I'll post a full interview if you want to, you know, do the long form thing. I'm really excited about this, and I hope you guys enjoy this interview today. Today, we're talking with Mark Prater. He's the executive director of Sovereign Grace Churches. Uh, Mark is an incredible gift to our churches, not just a figurehead that we put on all our coins and our dollar bills and our pennies with Sovereign Grace but he's a brother and a gifted pastor and a wise leader. I think you'll pick up on that through our conversation. Uh, Mark and I actually know each other from when Michelle and I were members of Covenant Fellowship Church in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. We were there for six years and Mark was a trusted brother and a dear friend and pastor. And he was actually very helpful and instrumental in helping us discern God's call uh, on my life for pastoral ministry. Uh, There were a number of times where Mark uh, through the different days and things that were going on, just great and very insightful biblical um, pastoral wisdom and helping us understand what God was doing with our lives. So I really hope that you pick up on that and that you grow to love Mark through our conversation. Jacob. Mark, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Good. How's Michelle and the boys? They're doing very well. Uh, So far as I'm aware today, nobody has uh, broken anything. um, And I believe (laughs) everybody's clothes are on for the boys. (laughs) (laughs) Good for the boys. (laughs) We still have snow here. Do you guys have any snow? Nope. No, it's actually... uh... We got maybe three inches or so uh, a week ago, probably, but okay. it's all it's all melted. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, it's going to be pretty warm here um, next few days. Try to get rid of all that snow. But uh, you got a lot more snow than we did, though, right? Last week. Yeah, I I want to say it felt like ten feet, but it was probably more like two or three feet. You know. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. so Mark, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. Um, yeah. One of the things I, uh, I, I realized this morning is that, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there are, between the, uh, between the Steelers and the Patriots, there have been a total of 30 games played, and they are tied wow. at 15 games each. Are you serious? Yeah. I, I was wow. amazed. They were tied at 15. The only slight advantage is that the New England Patriots have a total of 682 points uh, compared to the Steelers' 651 points. Um, 
So wow. that might be slightly deflating, but the Patriots are still doing doing pretty well, I think. Did you get to see the game, the 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 Super Bowl? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy comeback. Yeah. <laughs> did you before we before we get into any of the questions I sent you, did you uh can you be honest about who you were rooting for? Yeah, I was rooting for the Falcons. Were you? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm a Steelers fan. <laughs> uh well, we might have to end the conversation here, Mark. Uh, Mark, I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Uh, This is, as you know, this is for our church, and I just want to get them introduced to who you are. I mean, so if people were to look for you, they would know that you're the executive director for Sovereign Grace. But talk us through how how did you get called into ministry? What did that look like? What's your story about how you ended up planting a church and then uh, became the role that you're in now? Yeah. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks for um, one introduce me to uh, the folks at at King's Cross. It's uh, it's a joy to do, and it's it's humbling to be asked, Jacob. So thank you so much. Um, let's see my story. I I was raised in a in a Catholic home. Um, wasn't a believer until college, where I uh, a friend had invited me to their church, and I heard the gospel in a small town, small. Uh, church in Converse, Indiana, of all places, a little farm community. Wow. Um, you know, I'm from the Midwest, and it was there that um, um, Christ drew, drew me to himself. And over a period of time, I believe I was converted. It wasn't a uh, dramatic, like Damascus Road type of conversion, but over several months, and was baptized there. Jill and I were married in that church, and were members of that church for eight or nine years before before moving. So wait, so did you and Jill, did you go to church t- together growing up, or? We did not. The, the friend that invited me to uh, this church was actually Jill. So um, <laughs> I, I, went to, I went to this church, Converse Church of Christ is the name of it, because I was interested in a girl. Yeah. Uh, God had <laughs> other plans, but sometimes God uses that <laughs> yeah. to draw people to himself. <laughs> Oh, that's excellent. I didn't know that part of your story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I um, before I was a pastor, um, and the reason we actually moved from the Midwest is I, I worked for a pharmaceutical company for 14 years. I worked for a company called Wyeth at the time. They're, they've been bought up and are owned by Pfizer now. And um, I was in sales and sales management. So, Jacob, I sold drugs for a living, basically. And uh <laughs> Okay. And did that for 14 years and moved from the Midwest to the Philadelphia area um, for a, a job change in, within my company. Um, and the home office was out in this area of Philadelphia. So a friend invited us to Covenant Fellowship Church. And Jill and I and our three girls walked through the doors of Covenant Fellowship in September of 1990 and have been a part of Sovereign Grace since. Uh, which we're very grateful for. We we um, we had not been exposed to um, a charismatic or a church that believed in the gifts before, so we had to work through that. But what kept us coming back was uh, the preaching primarily and the gospel application in particular we had never heard before, and so our lives were were really changed. Uh, at, you know, as husband and wife, as parents, I can't think of an area of our life that wasn't changed because of the gospel centrality and the preaching and the gospel application in particular. Wow. Um, and it's, 
if you would have told me at that time that I would be a pastor, I would have laughed. I would have laughed uh, <laughs> right. probably arrogantly. Um, because when, in working for this pharmaceutical company, I, I just became very selfishly ambitious and was doing the typical corporate climb, just working for the next promotion. And even though I was a Christian, I, I really wasn't living for Christ. I was living for myself um, out of my own pride and my own um, idolat- idolatrous definition of success, which was all worldly defined. And it was here at Covenant Fellowship through the, the preaching of the Word, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and through the fellowship of the saints, really through a small group ministry, that uh, I just began to see my pride and my selfish ambition and my self-centeredness for what it really was, and I was just convicted. So I just began to make some changes uh, essentially made a, a decision not to accept a, a really good promotion within the company, which was, I was essentially being asked to be the assistant to the president of the company. Wow. And uh, told him no, because I just didn't feel like that was the step God wanted me to take. Wow. And, um, was that actually, a decision? Uh, it, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Was that a decision that you processed through with your small group? So did you bring it to the small group or your pastors and process it through like that? Or was it just between you and Joe? Well, no, it was, it was, I mean, Jill was involved, obviously, but I, I talked with guys in my small group about it and uh, talked to one of the pastors about it before I took that step, because um, I felt like, I just wanted to make sure I was thinking about it rightly, and mm. um, they were all helpful, Jill. Wow. Um, it was Alan Redrup at the time that was pastoring primarily, Bill and I, and, um, and then the, 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 my small group, which I'm very, very grateful for. So I I did that. I was able to still work for the company, though. I mean, they uh, was, I worked for them for the next several years, and uh, it was around that time that there was just a, a stirring for ministry. And so I talked to the pastors here about it, and you know they took one look at me and, and knew I wasn't ready or prepared. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank God. And uh, they just uh, you know discipled me. They Bill and I were a number of a couple of different discipleship groups, for example. Um, they allowed me to lead a small group, a community group, for a period of time. And then they asked me to be, uh, what was it called? Um, uh, some, something like a community impact director, something like that. I forget what it was called at the time. And had some oversight of certain ministry teams that were mercy-oriented or evangelism-oriented. So those are the things that they either equipped me to do or gave me to do to be equipped to think about uh, church planning. And um, so we talked about church planting and um, got to a place where they were affirming that uh, the guys on the the pastoral team were affirming that it would be good for me to plant a church. And we just prayed together and and thought Pittsburgh was the place we were supposed to go. Um, How did did Pittsburgh come up on the map for you? Well, I think it had been, for me, it was, um, it was, it was prayer partly. Um, It was also discussing it with the guys here because they had had a heart to plant in Pittsburgh. In fact, um, before Dave Harvey became the senior pastor here, he was going to plant in Pittsburgh until the transition happened from Bill Patton to himself, and then he, he put that on hold. So it had been a desire of this church and of this pastoral team to plant in Pittsburgh. So I know that was a, another factor that got me thinking about it, but I would say it was really confirmed more in prayer um, more than anything else. Wow. And so we, we were... 
Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so we, we had alluded to the prophetic words earlier, you know, prophetic ministry. Did that factor at all? Did you get a prophetic word yeah. like, Mark, I see you, you know, crossing the Red Sea and planting a church <laughs> in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Yes. It's, I'm glad you asked. Because I love I love to tell this story. Right. Uh, we did we did have some prophetic ministry as a part of um, of what God used to help us down this course of exploring church planting or pastoral ministry in particular. Um, so we were probably um, a couple years here at the church and we're attending a small group and the 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 small group leader uh, our. our care group leader at the time was saying, you got you to gotta come to the care group tonight because Alan and Linda Redrup are coming and they have, you know, the gift of prophecy is going to pray for people who are going to have some prophetic ministry. We had never met Alan and Linda before uh, but at this point. Yeah. Um, they didn't know us. We didn't know them. Um, and we were still trying to figure out where we were on the gifts. We were, we were becoming more convinced theologically that the gifts were for today, but what it looked like still was unclear to us. And so there, we still had fear. And I can remember the day of the meeting, I'm at work at Wyeth, and I'm talking to Jill on the phone, and we're, we're talking about, should we go to this meeting or not tonight? And I said, okay, Jill, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to this meeting, and um, uh, if it gets really weird, I'm going to grab your hand, and we're just going to walk out. Um, so that was our, our plan all along. Right, you had your exit strategy. I had, we had it. We had our strategy. So we went to the meeting, and you know the people that we knew um, in the small group that were being prayed for as prophetic words came. They they seemed really good, uh, edifying, accurate. And then they asked to pray for us. So Jill and I sit in this little love seat, and um, Linda's sitting a little bit closer to us than Alan, and she begins to pray. And she looks. She stops and she looks at me and she says, "Are you a doctor?" And I said, "No." And she looked at Jill and she said, are you a nurse? And Jill said, no. And so she, Linda leaned back and she was whispering to Alan. And it's at that point that I, I grabbed Jill's hand. <laughs> We're about ready to bolt yeah. because the evening had been great until that point. And now I'm thinking now it's going to get really weird. Yeah. Um, but she turned back around and uh, shared a prophetic word that, um, had to do with a potential call to ministry. What she was seeing was a uh, just me with sort of a staff standing among sheep, um, a, a shepherd's staff, I mean by that, uh, standing among right. sheep, and um, um, sort of a, an understanding of that to mean caring for people. Um, so the reason she leaned back and whispered to Alan is they, were just, they just didn't share prophetic words like that. They were very, very careful with them. And so she was just wanting to see if it would be okay to share, given that it was an evening more of a public context. So he right. said, sure. And after that meeting, Alan came up and said, I don't think we've met before, but we need to sit down and meet. Can you come to my office this Saturday? <laughs> so we can, can we, we can talk through this a bit. And the, the effect of that word, though, is that it really rocked my world, Jacob. It, it just got me thinking about ministry in a way that I hadn't been thinking about ministry. So. Wow. That's fat. I didn't actually know that story. That's great. And that so that factored in ultimately into you guys uh, going on the church plant. Yeah, it, it got us thinking about uh, vocational ministry, and and then that got us thinking about church planting. And we were um, we were sent from Covenant Fellowship in um, 
August of 1996, and um, with a team of about eight other adults besides Joe and me and our kids uh, to plant a church. So we had a small team, much like your your team, if I'm understanding it right. Yeah, that's actually it's the the time from your arrival from ni- you know 1990 to 1996. So that's six years. That's how long Michelle and I were at Covenant Fellowship, and then wow. we, we planted with a similarly sized team, you know, three years ago. Yeah. Wow. I, um, I'm glad uh, we plant churches like we do with you today rather than the way that I did it. Um, so I, yeah. I left my job at the end of May of 1996, um, went on staff here at Covenant Fellowship, uh, so I'd never been on a pastoral team before, in June of 96. And over the summer, wasn't here a whole lot. I was here some, but I was traveling. They didn't have the pastor's college, so I was traveling down to Gaithersburg uh, a lot during the week for what they called a school of the word. Oh, so was it because um, I knew they had school of ministry, but it was school of the word. I think that's what they called it. Yeah, maybe it was school of ministry, school nice. of ministry, school of word. Yeah, and um, you know we we got some basic theological instruction, um, and then we moved in August of '96 and started services in October of '96. And I think I probably preached two or three times before then. Wow. So. Um, I'm glad we don't plant churches like that anymore. <laughs> so, so you had preached maybe like three or four times before you were leading a church plant? Yeah. Yeah. Not crazy. I, I remember you telling me that at one point and thinking like, what am I doing all this training for? They sent Mark Prater out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, it's because we did it that way that we're getting all the training probably. Yeah. Exactly. So you guys planted in the fall of 1996 in Pittsburgh, is that right? That's correct, yeah. And so, so talk me through the first few years of the church plant and how that went and highlights. Yeah, the, the church plant, uh, you know, I think was uh, one of the greatest privileges I've been given in ministry. It was a joy. It was also at the same time a lot of hard work, as you well know, we were meeting in the school, so it's the, the setup and the teardown every day, and we stored all that stuff in our basement the first couple of years because we, we had no storage at the school. And uh, so it's just, you know, just a lot of hard work in, in that regard. A lot of meetings in our homes, which we loved, but our house was a, was a, was a busy place for that reason. And um, I can remember uh, a couple of years in, I think our church was probably about, oh, 60 or 70 folks by that point in time. And when I left, it was about 160. I think it's about 160, 170 today. Um, so we were probably about 70 folks two years in. I remember a, on a Friday night, I remember we had a prayer meeting in our house. And we had probably, I don't know, 40 people jammed into our family room. And we were finishing up the prayer meeting. And I pulled my oldest daughter aside, Tracy. And I said, I said Tracy, look around the room. I said, there's a few people here that were not Christians two years ago. And there's most of these folks, they didn't know one another two years ago. Now, now listen, listen to their conversation, because it was, it was joyful, it was loud. And I just said to Tracy, I said, look what God has done. Mm, and yeah. this, is, this is just a picture of that verse that says, it is the Lord who builds this house. Yeah. Um, because I wanted her to remember that moment. Um, yeah. Yeah, we... And, there's a, a couple of the guys in the church, we've talked a little bit about that similar dynamic. And I've, re- I've reflected, uh, I mean, like you're saying, it's a lot of hard work, but it is a privilege 
Um, I've just, it's been such a privilege to be able to lead my family to be able to enjoy kind of the front edge of this wave of what God is doing in the church plant and to be able to tell my son, my sons, you know, uh, my oldest Owen, be able to point him to the people and say, you know, that man was dead spiritually a year ago and God made him alive and we're about to, you know, baptize him because what you're watching God do while daddy's going out during the day and all that. Um, and my, my kids love, they love going to the church plant and setting up and tear down and running around. It's just been a real joy to watch those moments happen. And like you're saying with Tracy. Great, isn't it? Yeah. So the, so the church plant was going well. And then what happened? Well, in turn, we thought we would spend the rest of our lives there, obviously. So we were there at, um, at Providence Church in Pittsburgh for six years. Um, and it was in the fall of 2001 that out of the blue, I got a, a call from Dave Harvey, who was the senior pastor at Covenant Fellowship at the time, um, saying he wanted to talk with me and ask me to pray about moving back to Covenant Fellowship to become the executive pastor to free him up to give more time to Sovereign Grace. He was on the Sovereign Grace leadership team at the time. So when he called out of the blue and said that, my first response was, I don't think so, Dave. Um, I'm humbled <laughs> right. you would ask, but yeah. no, because we love this church here and we love the people. And secondly, our, our kids are doing well. Our family's doing well. And he said, no, I understand. Just just pray. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll pray. And so I... I actually waited five days before I, I told Jill, because I just wanted some time to pray about it. And when I told her, I took her to a public place to tell her. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right. To contain the response. <laughs> That's right. And when I told her in this coffee shop in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, she looked at me and the first thing she said was, now I understand why you brought me to a public place. When you... <laughs> I, that's one of the things I love about Jill. She just straight shooting. <laughs> She is. She's a straight shooter. So we, I mean, she had, she had initially had the same response I did. I don't think so, Mark. Um, but we committed to pray. So we prayed separately. We prayed together. And to our surprise, and I'm, I really do mean surprise, we felt like the Lord was leading us uh, to come back here. Um, and that was the hardest decision, I would say, today we've, we've had to make, was to leave that church and to leave that group of people. And wow. So we had to work through a transition where we moved back to Covenant Fellowship then in June of 2002. Wow. And um, Mike Pearson uh, became the senior pastor. He had he'd actually went to the pastor's college a year or two before that and um, had come to the church plant in our first couple of years, first year or two, and then mm -hmm. eventually went to the PC. And he's still leading that church today. Wow. Uh, That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. So that so talk us kind of talk us through how you went from being the executive or the executive pastor to now being the executive director. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, my life's kind of like that. If you would have told me I'd been in ministry, I would have laughed. If you had told me I'd be the executive pastor here, I would have. Or if I would have planted a church, I would have laughed. If I'd be the executive pastor here, I would have laughed. And definitely, if you would want me to be the executive director of Sovereign Grace, I would have laughed. Right. <laughs> um, I still can't believe I'd do this, to be frank with you. Well, you know, what happened with the, um, I was the executive director, or executive pastor here at Covenant Fellowship for a number of years. I don't know how many, probably three or four, um, which was a joy, a joy to serve Dave and this team and 
and I love this church. Um, still, I'm a pastor here and love being a pastor here at this church. The e- executive director um, role really uh, happened out of the, the years of crisis that, and trouble that you're walking through. And, yeah. um, you know, it. I've got, I mean, one version is basically it was a battlefield promotion, which I think is very true. That's what Tommy Hill would say. And it was kind of one of those moments like, all right, who's dumb enough to take this role right now right. in the midst of who's, trouble? Who's the first one that can do this so we can whack on him and figure this out? Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but what had, uh, that was, actually, there's some truth in all of that. But, you know, what had happened in the midst of our crisis is we, we determined we needed a new polity. Uh, or a defined polity, not a, necessarily a new one, but certainly a defined polity, which that resulted in the the writing of our book of church order, which I'm so grateful for, and I really feel like it strengthened us. Yeah. And as a part of that, it called for an executive director. So CJ before was uh, the president. It was a bit of a change in title, executive director. He chose not to pursue that. And so the, the board at the time... Um, just interviewed uh, two or three candidates, and to my surprise, they asked me to interview for it. So I was one of three guys I think they interviewed. And to my surprise, then they um, wanted to make me the nominee. And so I was nominated as the um, executive director nominee, I guess is the way to say it, and put before the Council of Elders. And for those in your church, who don't know, the Council of Elders is one elder from every church in Sovereign Grace. Unless you're uh, a church that has 500 members or more, you can have two Council of Elder delegates. And so that had to be voted on. The, the, our BCO, our Book of Church Order, uh, stipulates that the executive director needs at least a simple majority of affirmation vote before he's put in the role. So that vote happened in um, May of um, 2013. Wow, if I and, remember right, and that was uh, right. unanimous affirmation, right? That was, yeah. I don't know if that would happen today, but that was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Wow, that's excellent. That's an—I mean—that's an incredible story, Mark. Just to think about how God took you from 1990, stepping in there to now being um, now leading our our uh, family of churches. Uh, that's. Hi guys, thanks for listening to this episode of Striving Together, conversation worthy of the gospel. If you'd like to learn more about King's Cross Church, listen to our sermons, read our blogs, check anything out, you can visit us at kingscross.church. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at podcast at kingscrossmanchester.com. By the way, the music for this episode is done by one of our worship leaders, Matt Litzinger. You can hear more about Matt's incredible music, get his EP, get all of his great stuff at mattlitzingermusic.com. So that's Matt, M-A-T-T, Litzinger, L-I-T-Z-I-N-G-E-R, music.com. Matt is the warm comfort you feel when you walk into your family's home for Christmas dinner. Have a great week. Talk to you later.